Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast and Live Show. Hope you're all having a wonderful one and staying safe out there and excited for some sports. It's a very interesting week. Frankie's not here. He uh, he got caught up with work, but we are excited, and I, I'm excited to introduce as uh, our guest host for today. Uh, I'm, I'm hopefully not going to butcher up his name on live uh, for the hundredth time, uh, but we have Neil uh, Villa. Wow, see, Villapiano is in. Uh, in studio, he's the host of the Devil State podcast, covering the New Jersey Devils for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, if you haven't heard him, go check him out. He's fantastic. Uh, but hey, Neil, thank you for joining, uh, coming on to, to replace Frankie for the day. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's it's actually a pleasure to be on here. Um, I've started to get into the CFL. I've been able to watch it a couple times. Um, funny fact, actually, the first time I ever watched the CFL game was when. Johnny Manziel was in Montreal a couple years back and ESPN was like, Oh, here's Johnny Manziel's first game in the CFL. And I was like, well, this is going to be fun. And I think he only lasted like one or two drives. And then that was pretty much it. But uh, I appreciate it, Shane, that you're still trying to pronounce my last name. Um, I know it's tough, uh, but it's uh, Neil Villapiano in case anybody would like to know. See, here's the thing. We, we've talked off camera and I've said it off camera. I've said it. Literally, I was practicing it today. I'm like, hey, Neil Villapiano. But the minute I get on screen, it's like, nope, you don't know how to speak English. You're done. <laughs> That's how it works. There's, a, there's always, it, it, you, you can practice it a hundred times. And then, you know, once the once the lights come on, it's all of a sudden like, every, you know, you just forget everything. But it's it's perfectly fine. You're not the first person to uh, to butcher it. Um, I think our good friend Bayou um from the old day, I think he butchered it the first couple times uh, that we were uh, doing episodes together. So, um, yeah, you're not uh, the first one. Yeah, but he also he butchered, butchered Tyler, Tyler Sege name. Oh, I remember that greatly. It was such a frustrating. Yeah, Seguin, I believe that was how he said it. Or I forgot yeah, I think so. I forgot how he said it, but he's a, he. You know, he he tries his best. A for effort, buddy. A for effort. Um, but you know, how, how much of the CFL do you know? Like, have you been following it through the charade with the XFL? Have you been following that kind of stuff? I have. Um, I remember when I first heard about the XFL was going to be doing some form of a partnership with the CFL. And I said, well, that's, that's a good step for the XFL because it obviously gives them a little bit more credibility, uh, especially with them coming back in, I believe another year or two under, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, obviously being the new head of, of the XFL, but um, I'm not really sure exactly why it ended up going under with that, with regards to their partnership. I'm sure Shane, you probably know that better than I do, but um, I've known the CFL for quite some time. I remember seeing highlights of the days with guys like, you know, Doug Flutie, who's probably considered the greatest CFL player of all time. Uh, Warren Moon winning five gray cups, uh, certainly one of the more dominant players there and you know obviously they've had some other guys and interestingly enough there is one guy that I actually know and it's uh Paxton Lynch who's I think in Saskatoon I want to say at the moment so it'll be interesting to see how he uh the former first round pick of Denver a couple years ago will will be um will be performing but you know I I definitely have been able to watch a couple of games here and there I, I watch some highlights when I can and I'm still trying to figure out what team I'm going to be a fan of I, I really I've, I've been simple. asking people online, you know, somebody give me a reason to be a fan of your team and uh, we'll go from there. So, but, you know, I, I think I know it enough, but I'm still learning more and more as, as every day goes along. It's simple. It's simple. 
you're you're a Red Blacks fan. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like it's just simple. Right. Right. Okay. Fair enough. That that's that, that that'll that'll be what I'm sticking with. That's fair. All right. There you go. There you go. Also, also, my bad my for bad the, for echo. the I echo. I don't know where it's know coming from. from. Sounds sounds good on my end, but I mean, apparently there's a bad echo happening. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly try fixing this. I had no idea. Uh, all right. Well, this always happens. This always happens. Hey, one episode uh, a day. It always happens. Yeah. I'm also pretty excited, obviously, that I heard that apparently the Canadian border will be opening up to uh, people in, uh, in the United States following, I think, early August. August, I want to say it was I think August 7th. August 7th, yeah. So I'm actually, I'm actually planning on making my first trip to um, Canada either in October or late November, early December. Um, I'm going to stop in Toronto and maybe a couple other places while I'm there. And uh, if I definitely have some time, I think I'm going to find a way to. Uh, to come see you in person so we could actually uh, meet up. Yeah, I mean, that would be, uh, that would be ideal. That would be ideal. And I know, uh, I know the good guys at uh, the hockey pot, Ishan Dillon, were already talking about, oh, you got to come over to Vancouver Islands. And I'm like, do you understand how far you are away from my, from, from where I am? I mean, it's, it's the equivalent in a way of me being, you know, on the other side where, you know, I guess you would say probably California. I mean, it's about, probably a little bit longer than that, but I'm definitely going to try to, to meet up with as many people as I can while I'm up there. And it, it'll be my first time in Canada and that'll be something that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you come in October, there's definitely a couple of red blocks games that you'll have to hit up. I, I'm definitely all for that. One of the, one of the things that um, my brother actually sent me, uh, he sent me a video earlier today on Instagram of, I guess there was like a triple pass. I don't know if it was in a game recently or if it was in a game last year or a couple of years ago, but he sent me a triple pass play from one of the games and he was like, Oh, you gotta you gotta uh you gotta talk about this and I was like, I don't know if that if that uh that has any reason to do it. I, I'd have to look up again to see like what what team it was. Um or like who was playing in it, but like it was that was he was like, You gotta talk about this play and it was it was weird. It's like I can't uh, I think it's from what I'm seeing here. It looks like it's Montreal versus uh, versus Toronto, and I don't know. That probably wasn't from this year. I would imagine that was probably from two years ago. Probably. I mean, there was one incident where, uh, in terms of the, the Argos and the Alouettes, and on a punt, that was interesting. Yeah, the the guy who caught the touchdown pass for Montreal was last name is Bray, so that. I don't know. Oh yeah, that, that was like two years ago. Juan Bray. Oh, he's not at practice now. Oh, there you go. So I mean, it's yeah. That's that's pretty much. That's pretty much uh, how I was able to figure that out. Yeah, he's uh, he uh, he had his whole had his legal whole thing legal in the thing in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he's back. He's back he showed back up in Montreal's practice, practice on. Uh, uh, I think last, I think last week? week. Okay. Or early, early this week. This week? Hmm. Oh, there's my annoying cat. Oh, and I was going to say, and then, I, and then we hear a cat. I also saw that apparently, what, yesterday, the Toronto Argos traded defensive back Alden Darby to the Winnipeg Bombers, I believe. So that yeah. was gonna, I don't know what, what did Winnipeg, do you know what Winnipeg got in return for that? Or 
Uh, he got an got offensive, offensive lineman. lineman. Oh, okay. So it was a one-for-one, one, basically. Hmm. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it was just okay. a one-for-one. One one, they, 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 they both addressed both needs. needs. Right. That's a good point. That's... No, that's a good point. And then, obviously, um, either... I, I might say his last name wrong, but uh, former now Ticat Center Mike Filer retired? Yeah. Filer retired yeah, for nine retired. years. Which is surprising because he signed a contract in the offseason. Uh, coming back and I guess his body just couldn't couldn't do it yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a funny thing sometimes you know you, you think that you're ready to go and then once you get into once you actually get into the season or like you start practicing and stuff that's when you really start to realize you know um, that's the case yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean it's, it's there's, there's been a couple of them this year and I'm expecting a lot of them as well uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks but, you know, it's no, going to be interesting, interesting to, see to see between now because camp, camp ends, I believe, on the 27th because the first game is on the the 5th. So I'm expecting mm-hmm. a lot of retirements between now and then. I think it's a fair point. I mean, it's just, like I said, it depends on, um, it just depends on, I guess you would say, how people are feeling moving forward. You know, it's, I don't see it, I don't see it as much in the NFL. Um you know, with, with guys doing that, but I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a surprising thing depending on, you know, certain moves and everything like that. But the CFL is definitely an intriguing place to see, um, just, just to watch football in general. Um, I think it's just another place for, it's just another really good place for guys to go to continue to play. And obviously, you know, especially if you're from the States, you know, to go to a completely different country, um, different culture, everything like that. And then being able to, you know, play, Football and even though the rules are a little bit different than what you see in college or high school or even in the NFL here in the United States, um, it's still very cool. And I think a lot more people are starting to get into it more than probably uh, they did before. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interest now with the XFL thing starting, um, but I'm not sure. I think me personally, I've been a CFL fan longer than I've been an NFL fan. I find the NFL game boring. I just and it's it's not like the players or anything. It's just the on-field product isn't isn't fun to watch sometimes. But I I think with the CFL though is that this usually doesn't happen. Having players retire halfway through camp, but most of these players have been off for a year and a half, almost two years. Mm. So you know they they haven't been in that situation and their bodies are like yeah I can't I can't deal with it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um. You know, one guy because we're you know we're just talking about the CFL in general. One guy that I'm interested in watching uh, again play this year is former uh, Eastern Washington and Oregon Ducks quarterback uh, Vernon Adams. Uh, I remember I remember watching him in college, particularly at Eastern Washington, and obviously knowing um, what he's capable of performing. And I, and I don't know exactly how he's done in the CFL, but he's certainly an intriguing type of player considering that he you know he still has a lot of mobility and he has a pretty solid arm as well. And I think that that's something that uh, definitely Montreal can use to their use to uh, their liking in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, he's definitely somebody that I, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on um, this upcoming year. Yeah. He, he bounced around a couple of teams. I think he, so he was dry. He had BC had his rights. Uh, they traded him to like Montreal and then he was traded to Hamilton. He was traded to, I think Saskatchewan at one point mm. and then ended up back in like Hamilton and Montreal he was the second string last year, and then the Pipkin got hurt, and then he took over and has just kind of, 
kind of ran with it. So right, he, he, he's primed for a good season. Most of that offense is back together, so they should be a threat. Uh, we got a question here from Tyler. Uh, he heard that the CFL and the XFL are going to work together starting 2023. I have no idea. That's actually the first I've heard of it. Everything I've heard mm-hmm. is that both parties are going their separate ways for now. Maybe, maybe changed. Maybe there's some back behind the scenes stuff that we don't know because NDAs are a hassle. Um, but I, I can't really can't really confirm or deny those rumors. I think it's, I think it's definitely something that I wouldn't be surprised if the XFL came back and started talking in with the CFL because, again, one of the one of the issues talking about the XFL when it came back uh, the first time a couple of years ago, one of the issues was just the fact that I think when you look at the quality of players that the the XFL had, it was tough at times to really get to know these guys very well and. And obviously, also to be able to give players another oppor- another way of getting to you know getting attention, and obviously uh, moving from there. And, and I think if the XFL came back with somewhat of a partnership, um, I think honestly and truly it would be better. I think it would. I think that it would help. Um, it would help legitimate legitimize the XFL. And because to me, when I look at when I look at the CFL, they don't really have to do this. I think that they're they're good on their own. They're good on you know promoting themselves pretty well. But obviously, you know, partnering with a league in the United States could definitely help them because it might get them some more notice. And I mean, look, if there's a chance down the road that maybe they decide, oh, what if we have XFL teams playing CFL teams? It might be very intriguing, particularly to fans in the United States who are obviously into who are into football. Um, you know, anytime there's an opportunity to just see a football game, regardless of the league it is, a lot of people will tend to go. So I think that that could be something that could definitely be a possibility. But again, there's probably a lot of logistics. And, and also, we don't know where the XFL really stands. Because again, they were supposed to come back in 2022. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. Looks like it's going to be more 2023. So they do have a lot of time. But the question is, how serious is uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and everybody else who's involved right now with the XFL, how serious are they in making this a legitimate league that people will actually watch and go to? Because even when the XFL was playing when it first came back, there wasn't, you know, attendance was always low. And that was a very, I think, surprising thing to a lot of people that attendance was low, even though they were making pretty decent amount of money. So all in all, getting a partnership with with the CFL, I think is more beneficial to the XFL than the CFL. But if the CFL could start playing some games in the United States against XFL teams down the road, that might help to not only promote the XFL, but certainly have people take more notice of CFL games as well. I like that answer. I, I, I like that answer coming from an American. Uh, you know, it's time. It's 746. We have uh, Dave Campbell waiting in the waiting room. Uh, you know, let's let's introduce the, the man behind... See if uh, you know the Elk CFL Twitter coverage, the one who's everywhere in terms of the Elks Twitter. Uh, you know the green and yellow room, which is amazing. Uh, thank you, Dave, for coming on. How's it going today? Boy, professional broadcaster here mutes his mic going into a <laughs> into a, a show. Sorry about that, 
boys. Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me here. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, I know it's probably been a busy, busy couple of weeks for you with uh, the training camps getting going and getting back into the groove of things. I think that's just it. It's just, it's just nice. I mean, I, I think walking into the stadium the first time on uh, July 11th, it was, uh, you had the goosebumps and kind of had the, you know, the, 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 the welling up of emotions too. It's been a long, long time since we have seen CFL football. And honestly, there's, there's moments over the last 20 months, especially after the season got canceled in 2020 last August, where I wondered, are we ever going to, are we ever going to see this site again? And that's, you know, looking up, you know, me looking upon a football field at uh, on the brick field at Commonwealth stadium. And I'm sure a lot of people said the same thing. So it was just, uh, it was a surreal, awesome moment. And it's just nice that, uh, you know, we're kind of, kind of in the groove again, you know, like training camps getting monotonous and I'm glad it's half over and the players are more happy. It's half over, but it's just nice to have it, have CFL football back again. Yeah. I mean, me and like Frankie and I, we were kind of debating on what we were going to do if the CFL didn't happen this year. Uh, mm. So it's nice. He, he's been at the – like Frankie has been a soldier. He's been at every Red Blocks practice since the start. Like I give him full credit on that. He's spending out days in the sun. But, you know, a lot of Red Blocks connection with the Elk. So, oh, yeah. No question. <laughs> so I, I have two players that I, I'm interested in seeing how they've gone so far this year. Sir Vincent Rogers and Jonathan Rhodes. How have those two players been so far in camp? Well, we'll start with Sir V. And he started camp as the left tackle. And then about midway through last week, he was, uh, you know, just on the sidelines, not doing very much. Obviously, there's there's some sort of issue there. Uh, not enough that he isn't, uh, you know, that, that would prevent him from being on the field. But he's not doing much. But, you know, he looked good in the early going. He really did. Didn't look like he was away for two years. And remember, he, th this is longer for him than it is for anyone else. It's, it's like 25, 26 months for Servi because he wow. tore his bicep the week of the first week of training camp just a couple days before uh, Edmonton was supposed to play their first preseason game. So it's been a long wait for him. Jonathan Rose, first of all, he's always smiling, infectious personality, positive attitude. And for, for himself as well, I mean, when you have spinal fusion surgery, I mean, he basically broke his back. And there was people thinking he would never play again. But uh, he's come in playing the uh, the field corner and has looked good. There was one day where he you know looked like he, he might have had some sort of lower body injury, shook it off. And he's been, uh, he's been a, a big feature in that secondary. So it's been a lot of fun to see uh, Jonathan Rose. The ball skills are great. The athleticism is great. He's long. Uh, he's a nuisance. And, you know, he, he plays that wide corner, like I mentioned. And I, I, it's funny, I asked him, uh, I said, you know, there's this myth that if you're on the wide corner, it's going to be a boring trip for you. You know, <laughs> so it's going to be boring. You only have four or five plays. And he says, yeah, but if it's only four or five plays, those – four or five plays could really affect the ball game. And I think Jonathan Rose is a game changer. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Rose was one of my favorite players when he was with Ottawa. Disappointed to see him go, but I'm excited to see him rock the green and yellow. Uh, the new, new breaking news coming out of, of Edmonton in the last 48 hours. What can you tell us about the, the Derek Dennis situation, if anything at all with, with what's going on there? 
It's a little strange, you know, and, and, and Derek is a, is a good guy. I had a chance to talk to him, but you know, he's, uh, when things bother him, he lets you know. So, oh, you know, we gotta, gotta go back to January. He signed a contract. And then after that, they signed, you know, they signed Sir Vincent Rogers. They signed, uh, you know, before camp, they signed Tommy Draheim, even though he retired. So they, they, they signed a whole bunch of, of tackles. And Derek Dennis was in that mix as well. And I think, you know what? You, you could have made him the favorite to start at left tackle. But we're talking two weeks before camp or pretty close to that. He he posts a message on Twitter saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to play this year. I got family obligations. Doesn't make sense for me to go mm-hmm. up uh, north and play. And I, I'm not retiring, but I'm not going to play. You know, I hope to come back next year. And he said, ah, small chance I'll, I'll come back next year. But he's on the retired list. That's where he ended up. So he had to agree to that, I'm sure. So then when he tweets out on Tuesday and says, you know, what he said about, I wish I never signed the contract. I mean, I'm like, okay, why would you say that? So it's really hard to figure where his mindset's at. It, It sounds like perhaps there might be a team that is interested in him or he's interested to going, going somewhere else. And maybe, maybe it has something to do with, the border restrictions perhaps easing. I don't know what is vac- vac- uh, fully vaccinated, if he is fully, fully vaccinated, because, you know, eventually the border is going to lift and uh, maybe he wants to come back. I don't know. Like, I'm sitting here trying to rationalize this, but we have to remember one thing. He is retired, and if you're on the retired list, that doesn't mean you're free and clear. You are still under... Uh, so the Elks basically own his rights for the duration of the contract. He signed a two-year deal. So the Elks, if they choose, can own his rights until the end of that contract. That's why when you see pending free agent lists, you see retired players on on that list because their mm. contracts are due to, due to expire. So it, it sounds like he wants an opportunity somewhere else, but why would Brock Sunderland, you know, the, the, uh, the general manager of the Elks, fulfill this if that's what he's asking for is a trade and i know dave naylor of tsn he reported that perhaps that's what he wants is a trade or a release so he can go elsewhere when you said a month ago you weren't playing this year so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make a lot of sense it's, it's very inconsistent and uh, I, I would like to know where the middle is here because it seems very strange to me that all of a sudden he has has this about face i want to come back and play but i don't want to play for the elks that doesn't make a lot of sense to me right so, uh, one thing that keeps being brought up is Jamie Elizondo. He he left Ottawa felt like weeks before the start of training camp. I feel like he he left Ottawa like two three weeks before mm-hmm. the starting training camp, and then he went to I think he went to the the XFL or he, he was the, the I believe he was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Vipers under Mark Tressman. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. I remember because I remember when they played the Guardians. Uh, that was the first game. Of this of the XFL when it came back and I, I was there so I remember I remember that that's why when I saw earlier that that's who the head coach is now I was I was like wait I've heard that name before yeah so a lot of people are like okay well where where does Jamie Elizondo fit because he basically just quit coaches have that ability to resign from their position players don't really have that option so you know you know do you know if the how the coach like how he feels or what's his stance on it or is he kind of keeping a tight lip on it? Well, he hasn't brought it up and I think we know why he left. 
and and we have to we have to look back to what happened earlier in that offseason. Definitely was a very very harsh move from Elizondo. I'll, I'll never forget the press release that I saw from the uh, Red Blacks uh, PR. Elizondo leaves. You know, it was it wasn't very kind to Elizondo, and clearly you felt you know that's that was the organization's feeling is that he bolted on him. Um, before that, there was openings in where was it uh, Saskatchewan? I believe there was another opening. It might have been. Uh, Boy, the BC, the BC Lions as well, perhaps, but definitely Saskatchewan. And he wanted to go, and Marcel Desjardins, the GM, said no. So, you know, that kind of rankled him a bit. I know Brock uh, Sunderland says when uh, if he was able to talk to Elizondo, and, he, and at the time he wasn't, so this goes way back into December of 2019, uh, you know, he said, if he was available, we would have, we would have, we would have definitely have, have asked him to, uh, come aboard even before Scott Milanovic. But of course that wasn't the case. So, you know, it, it was a, it was a harsh move. I, I don't necessarily maybe agree with it, the timing, but I do understand his feeling. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, you know, I understand Marcel Desjardins' uh, feelings about it. I mean, Jamie Elizondo is an excellent offensive coordinator who who is in line to be a head coach one day. Uh, but to deny a, a person a chance to even interview is is really tough. I mean, I would probably be upset about that as well. So, um, but no, it hasn't been brought up. It hasn't been brought up, brought up at all. You know, Scott Milanovic, when he left the uh, the Edmonton organization to go to the Indianapolis Colts, uh, he called Jamie Elizondo and said, I think you should be waiting by the phone because I think Brock Sunderland's going to call you. And at that point, Elizondo was basically feeling he was never going to work in football again. So I think mm-hmm. this is a uh, this is a chance for him to just get back and do what he loves, be a head coach finally, and I think to turn the page. And I think he has definitely turned the page. Uh, he doesn't even bring it up. I think it's fair that he, that he doesn't bring it up. Um, I mean, considering – the situation. One, one one thing that stands out to me is that when you go back to the last you know season, obviously that happened. You look at Edmonton; they lost in the um, semifinal or the East final, um, and and now you go into many months later. You know, from 2019 end of that season to now t- 2021. Um, I mean, I guess the question is really how much different really is this Edmonton team, other than the fact that obviously they're now called the Elks. Like how much. How much different can, does it look like that this team is compared to 2019? Well, I think there is a lot of turnover in some respects. I mean, they have a new head coach. Jason Moss was a head coach at the end of 2019. It's Jamie Elizondo now. You have some veterans that were on this team that are no longer on the team. Uh, Calvin McCarty, uh, Ryan King, Armando Sewell on that D-line. Uh, he's gone. But... You know, there is some continuity, especially on that offense. You look at the offensive line, and there's a lot of continuity there. Uh, picking up Darrell Walker was huge. And then after that, picking up Greg Ellingson, re-signing him was also right. huge. You got Armonte Edwards, uh, Kenny Stafford's in the mix. Uh, you got some good Canadian receivers. They're running back stable with James Waller Jr. and Terry Williams strong. I think the question comes defensively because you, you do lose Sewell. That's a right. big loss on the, along that D-line. But you still have Mike Moore, Jake Ceresna, who's got some Ottawa ties, and, and and they're very stout. And then I think the the biggest, uh, maybe maybe one of the best stories in training camp is you got Canadian bookends on on defensive end with Kwaku Botang and Matthew Betts. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about the secondary. The linebacking core is interesting uh, just because it's a, a little raw, even though there's some talent there. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of turnover with this team, but, you know, I think there's enough leadership. And there, it, there, there's there's leadership from 19 with Trevor Harris and Ellingson and, right. and, and, and some players there. And then there's some leadership from the 2015 Grey Cup team with Darrell Walker and Kenny Stafford and Aaron Grimes. And uh, then there's some new leadership that, you know, Jonathan Rose, for example, and, and Jonathan Mincy and, and players like that. So I think it's a combination of there's some, there's a lot of new with some familiarity with the team. Uh, definitely without any preseason games, it's going to be a very quick, quick process to have everything gel and it won't gel on August 7th at home against the Ottawa Red Blacks. But you know, it's, that's going to be interesting is who's going to, be able to overcome their mistakes the most because I think we're in line to see some really sloppy football that could lead to really exciting plays on the field. I think that's what we're going to see. That's, that's really interesting because like I remember this past NFL season, no preseason games just kind of jumped right into it. I mean, most teams had, I think maybe one or two scrimmages and then we saw the first three, four or five weeks of the season, a lot of sloppy play. And you look at some teams that maybe had a new head coach, like I would use like the New York Giants when they had Joe Judge. It was tough at first to kind of get things rolling because you didn't have that ability. So again, obviously, without having preseason games, I do agree with you, Dave, that it is going to be more sloppy football, but it could lead to a lot of very exciting plays, which actually could benefit the CFL when it comes to, you know, saying we're back and everything like that. So I think that's a... I think that's a very good point. It'll be interesting to see how sloppy these um, these teams are. And I think, not saying that like the first couple of games are going to define the entire season, but I would be curious to know, especially when we get to the later part of the year, how, how big were those early games when teams were really struggling and mm-hmm. teams have opportunities to really take advantage of each other without much practice, without much, you know, just regular game time prior to it. You go back to the week one in the NFL season. That was one of the most wild weeks I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there were so many crazy things that happened. And you're right. It could, you know, I wasn't complaining that week when you know, about no preseason NFL games. Preseason, I like preseason, but it's hard to watch. You know, after a while, yes. it's just, it is what it is. It's just a lot of mistake-filled uh, games. And there's some there's some fun to it. But, but they're also, it's, I feel bad for the younger players because, I think when you look at the Elks, for example, they're the they're an example of a, a veteran team that if you look at their roster, they're pretty set at most positions. But it's, you know, who's going to be the contributors on special teams? Who's going to be um, the number two in certain positions? And without a preseason game and you're only left with one scrimmage, which hasn't happened yet, it'll happen Sunday for the Elks, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's tough. And they've already had to let go 11 players because of uh, roster rules this year in training camp where before you could keep hundred players for, for three weeks uh, and play two preseason games. So yeah, you know, I, I think if you're a veteran team like the Elks, it might play into your favor a bit better just because mm-hmm. you're familiar more with concepts. You're familiar with each other. You know, I think the key for the Elks offensively is the relationship Trevor Harris has with Jamie Elizondo. When you look at the red blacks, you de- you have that with Matt Nichols and Paul Lapolice. That will be interesting to see what happens. Matt Nichols has one heck of a job here to bring everyone together. 
And I do think Matt is a good leader. I've, you know, followed him since 2010 when he arrived in Edmonton. Uh, and then he was traded in 2015 to the Bombers. But that's interesting because they're a young team. Yeah. Veteran quarterback, veteran coach, they have a great relationship. How does that spread out? Where Trevor Harris doesn't have a lot of teaching to do with this offense, right? right. So I think that's key. The the veteran-laden teams uh, with a lot of continuity might might benefit the, uh, the best out of the gate here. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. I mean, again, we open up the season against the Elks. Um, I do have a question. Is the Elk logo actually staying at midfield? Is that perfect? Oh, that, 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 that big change? logo when, with the reveal? At yeah. the reveal? Is that yeah. something they're keeping? No, oh. no they, can't, they can't do it. What? One reason is advertising. If they kept that logo, then their advertisers would be very upset because there's no space for them. And okay. I do believe, secondly... There are some league bylaws or league rules against, uh, you know, or, or, or that govern logo and the size of logo. So it, it was an epic logo. I mean, it, everyone loved it. Uh, most people loved it. Um, it. It took my breath away. But I remember asking a member of the Elks uh, management, and they said, are they keeping that logo? And he says, oh, that logo is great, but I don't think it's staying. So, yeah. uh, and I tweeted out a picture today. The 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 Elks logo is actually the one they will use is actually at midfield now, and it's much smaller. Oh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, because yeah, when I saw that when they released it, I'm like, that's amazing, keep it. But I'm glad they're keeping a logo at midfield. I was worried that they might not do the whole whole logo thing this year, but yeah, they're doing it, and it looks it looks pretty spiffy. I'll tell you. I think just the whole. The whole rebrand, you know, with the Alex, I think it looks phenomenal. I think they did a really, really good job with it. And I think a lot of people are going to, you know, as they see it, they're going to really enjoy it as well. Yeah, it's hard to make this type of change in a pandemic coming off a year when you didn't play, when you lost. I mean, they lost $7.1 million. You know, benefit of being a community-owned team is you actually have to release your your numbers. So $7.1 million is what they lost. Right. And this is... A big change, but it's going to be minimal change in year one. Like the jersey setup will be the exact same, right? And if, so if you if you remember before the 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 old name, yeah, that right there. That so that'll be replaced by Edmonton. Okay. So that that's the the biggest change. I don't know where the double E logo will end up on the on the jersey. I know there's talk about a third jersey mock up at some point. I don't know if we're going to see it this year, but the double E might appear on a helmet. Again, but it's going to be, and they modified the Elks logo, which I think when it first came out, I know for me, I wasn't really enamored with it. And now I've seen it in camp and they've tweaked it and it's, it's a lot more um, identifiable and it's got the E uh, as well. The antlers form an E. So, yeah. but you know, Chris Preston, the president and CEO said, this is going to take years to uh, complete because you don't know where the, like the old names everywhere. It's still in the stadium a, a lot. Like the, the old hashtag is there. The old yeah. name is around. It, people are going to have to be patient because yep. this this changeover is going to take a long time to complete. And it's expensive. I mean, they the projection was about a million dollars, you know, yeah. roughly. And to do it in a pandemic is, is tough. So, uh, but they got the name. They got the logo. Yeah. They, got the, uh, they got the helmet. Uh, the merchandising has gone gangbusters it's been great it's so popular so they're off to a good start 
It's That's good to hear. I feel like they've done I, I don't know, Shane, if you would agree, but I, I feel like personally Edmonton did a better job at least rebuild you know, rebranding kind of on the spot than the, what the Washington football team did. I mean, that's just the way I look at it because, like, with the, again, with the Washington football team, it was just kind of like they just threw threw together a logo. They did all this, and very similar to Edmonton, they didn't. They really just kept the jerseys, except it, you know, it just says Washington on it. It just says a W. And same same thing with Edmonton. Washington did say it's going to take several years, or at least maybe until 2022, before they mm-hmm. really like are able to get to you know, rebranding it completely. And it's going to cost them a pretty penny just to do it because of, you know, circumstances. So I think that's when I, like when I see what Edmonton did, I feel like in some regards, they actually did a better job than what the Washington football team did with their um, re- rebrand, so to speak. I think they were all in and committed to doing it. You know, I, I know there that's was some good. hesitation within the organization, especially at the board of director level. There was a lot of debate, but, you know, Chris Preston really led the charge here. And he said, if we don't change this, we're always going to change this name. We're always going to have a problem. It's, and, and the line he used before the official retirement of, of the name Eskimos is he said, we, it's like we're putting one hole, we put our finger in one hole and three show up, right? So you just can't win the battle, you know, and, and at some point you got to realize what's best for your organization and change the, changing the name was the, was the right move. It was an emotional day. You know, I, I, I was pretty emotional about it. I mean, I was, you know, I shed a tear that day, but you know, when, when the Elks name was unveiled, I shed a tear too. So, you know, it was, it's a combination of honoring your past and going forward. Right. And I think I, I agree with you. I think the Elks did a good job where I think honestly, Washington's just trying to delay this as long as they can. because we're, 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 We're not talking about the same numbers here. I mean, yeah, they, they lost some money, I'm sure, but I mean, the, their TV contract is so ridiculously uh, sponsorships as well. Yeah, just able to keep them, they're fine. Like it's not like they, you know, because it's a major difference for people who are from the United States. What people don't realize is that the money, you know, in the CFL is a lot different than the money you see in the National Football League. It's very yeah. different. So a million dollars is a lot of money in the yep. CFL. So when you said that, I was like, wow. It's a lot of money just to get the the rebranding going, and 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 you and I'm sure because I'm speaking, you know, for Americans when they see when they see a re when they see a rebrand, they say, oh, it, only, it costs only a million dollars. They look and say, what what exactly is the issue? Well, you have to look at the logistics of everything, and the, obviously a different country altogether, and different, you know, well, different when when two thirds of your revenue is through gate revenue, and you didn't have it last year, and you're going to have it this year, but not to maybe the level you'd like in er- in every center. Uh, in every every city in the CFL, yeah, it does mm-hmm. matter. And what's the TV contract for each team? Like something like two hundred and sixty million dollars before yeah, you buy, even before you sell one ticket, right? right. And that, that's you're incredible. Already, that's, you're already in good in the NFL. You're already yeah. in a good position, regardless if you don't have a single fan that shows up to a game. Exactly. That was even if you're the Green Bay, even if you're the Green Bay Packers who lost money for the first time in 20 years, they're going to be okay because yeah, uh, no, fans are going to be back this year. Most of the season, no fans. Everybody was doing just financially. Everybody was yeah. doing fine. Yeah, they lost money, but still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, D- diff- different scenario in in both leagues. CFL. I mean, it was. You know, what, what do you hear? I mean, Dan Ralph of the Canadian Press says 50 to 80 million dollars. I believe Dan, and I believe the number's accurate. So this year they're going to lose money again, but it's just. How can you, you know, stave off the losses? And we'll like we'll see. Like I think there is a, a, a groundswell of excitement for this league. 
but we'll see if they come. I mean, we'll see if COVID has maybe given people sober second thought about going to a live sporting event, or maybe the excitement is there that we're going to see 35, 40,000 at Commonwealth stadium on, on August 7th. That would be, that would be something. Well, I, mean, I know in Ottawa, I've talked to plenty of Red Blacks fans and they're like, honestly, if I can go, I'm going for their home opener at the end of the month. Yeah. Against BC. That's like, good. You, you, you haven't had a live sporting event since March of 2020. You haven't had CFL football for Ottawa since October, 2019. Like, right. At this point, people are like, I just want to go experience a game day again. So I feel yeah. like attendance across the league would might actually be better than people expect it to be. And if you look at also, like, if, if, if it showed anything, look at how fans reacted to being allowed to go see the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals. The last, yeah. The, yeah. This whole playoff year. Look at that. If Once they set a limit to how many fans, that limit went, and then you had many people outside the arena. If they were allowed to fill this arena, they would have done it. They would have done it. So I feel like just having the ability to have fans be able to come back is a phenomenal thing. And I think that a lot of people, not everybody, but I think a lot of people will definitely show up. They will be there and they will be there as much as possible because it's it's given us time to really reflect on the things that we pretty much for the most part take for granted, like going to sporting events. I like it. I like it. Let's get it done. Come on, people. Well, thank you, Dave, for coming on. I know we, we stayed a little thank bit longer you. than expected, but we definitely appreciate you coming on. And maybe uh, maybe we can get a mid-season kind of uh, wrap-up on how the Elks are doing from your uh, vantage point. Absolutely, because that won't be long. <laughs> Once we no. kick off, uh, mid, <laughs> mid-point will come real fast. So absolutely, yeah. uh, hit me up and I'll be back. All right, thank you, Dave, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right, well, there was Dave Campbell, the voice of uh, one of the color analysts for uh, Shed or 360 Shed out in Edmonton covering your Edmonton Elks. Ran a little bit longer than expected, about 12 minutes, but hey, CFL football is back, so we really don't care. Uh, but we have some ex- other exciting news in sports. I know we all love the CFL, but tomorrow, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock e- uh, Eastern, the Seattle Kraken will pick <laughs> Their first NHL player from, I'm assuming it's going to go in alphabetical order. So I'm It is not. It is actually not because the, the Devils are picked. The Devils are 10th on the order, apparently. I haven't so seen I don't know. I know they were. I, know they I were don't know what. Wrong. I don't know why they're. I don't know why it's not in alphabetical order. You would think that would make sense, but they. I, I don't even know if they randomized this. I have no idea. I'd have to double check on like I the know. order. I know they released, there was a leak of them testing out the, the board out in Seattle. Uh, yeah. Picking Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemire. Like, they were just going all in. This team was going to go win the cup year one. They were trying to outdo Vegas. But either way, at 8 o'clock, we will have an official NF, uh, NHL player part of the Seattle Kraken. And I, I, I can only speak for myself. But does it not feel like the last like year? has gone so slow or has gone so quick. And the last like week has just been painfully slow. One, 100%. If you look at, if you look at when we got to, when we got to the day where we, a couple days ago, where it was all about like, you had to get your, you had to get your list in by five o'clock. 
it felt like it, it felt like it was moving at a snail's pace. Like everybody was taking forever to get stuff done and everybody's scrambling. And then, like you said, with obviously the short NHL season, 52 games, it went by like that. We didn't even have time to really process everything. It just went by so quickly. And now we're into late July and we're talking about the expansion draft and we're, you know, at this time tomorrow, we're going to be we'll looking be at it. In Seattle. Right. We're going to, we're going to know who's going to be the first guy to go in Seattle. And that's going to be an interesting thing. And I mean, there are some teams that are going to lose a really, really quality player. And there's some other teams out there that, you know, honestly, they're not going to lose somebody that's going to massively put them in a difficult position. But I'm curious to know just what Ron Francis, the GM of the Seattle Kraken, I'm curious to know how he wants to do this. Does he want to do it Vegas style where like they just try to put the best team on the ice right away? Or do they try to build this organically, you know, start from the ground up and work their way? And you have a very interesting situation, particularly at the goaltending position. There's four players just four players that I'm interested to see what happens within this draft. Carey Price, because mm-hmm. that's huge. He's expected to miss like 10 plus months with a hip yeah. and a knee injury. That's reported. Gabriel Landeskog. UFA. Uh, Tarasenko. Tarasenko, yep. And the uh, some guy who's never been mentioned, Dougie Hamilton. The number one defenseman available yeah. this UFA season unprotected by um, Carolina by Carolina mm-hmm. he, he's I believe 28 years old he is in line for an eight-year deal yep. you know arguably arguably was could have been snubbed la- like was a snub last year snubbed this year for for Norris like you have that argument where like is he a top five defenseman those are four players. I'm also interested to see what happens in Boston. Does Hall, like, Krejci, yeah. Hall, like, what happens with those guys? So, it's a good point. There, there's <laughs> so many storylines. There are so many storylines heading in. There's way the- more. There's way more storylines than what we had in Vegas. Way more. 100%. Because in Vegas, because because people don't remember this, when we talk about the Vegas expansion draft, we knew for the most part who was going. There wasn't, there wasn't much debate. There wasn't that many right. big names. No, like, and like we knew Flurry was going. We knew Flurry was going to get picked up. There was no hesitation about that. Yeah, you had Flurry, you had James Neal, David Perron. Those guys kind of made sense, right? But you have a you have a chance to get a Hall of Fame goaltender in Carey Price. You have a chance to get, you know, arguably when healthy, one of the best goal scorers in the league in Tarasenko. You know, and then you have a the guy, players. you have Gabriel Landeskog, who's been a captain for for many years and is right now in the prime of his career. And yes. could easily be, without Tarasenko, he could easily be your top left winger. 100%. Right away. So, like, you're – so you have you have multiple choices. Yes. You know, and you know who I don't think it's – and we're talking about goaltenders. You know who I don't – you know who I think doesn't get enough recognition? Peter Mrazek in Carolina. Hmm. Ron Francis brought him into Carolina. Ron Francis yeah, made him did. the number one in Carolina. He did. I know people are talking about Drieger. Personally, I don't think... Why are we giving a goalie who's played 38 career NHL games entering his age 27 season $3.5 million? Like, well, what, it, I mean, it's only for three years, so it's not like they're... they're... Still, what in what world? There's a, well, what again, world I, world does a 
player with 38 games experience get 3.5 million? Uh, the only reason the, I'm, I'm not trying to defend it, I'm trying to just make a try to make it make more sense. The way that I look at it is simply this: there is a possibility that Ron Francis has contacted a handful of players that could very well potentially be picked up by Seattle. And they spoke to their camps and said, you know what? I really honestly am not going to be, especially UFAs, more or less UFAs, and said, I'm not feeling it 100%. You know, there's some other teams that are calling as well that are a little bit more enticing. So, I mean, we just heard today that Gabriel Landeskog and his camp spoke directly with Ron Francis earlier today. And they're gauging the interest. But it doesn't like I don't think that Gabriel Landeskog will end up in Seattle because I mean, this hey. is because you have to look at it this way: a contract has to be signed within the next twenty four hours if you're going to reveal this guy. Because I mean, there's got to be one or two guys that you're revealing, and probably Chris Dreiger is going to be one of them. I hope not. Because here, here's my thing: no, why because that, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's it, considering free agency. Yeah. Like here, here, and this is my thing with with like how I look at it. Why would you ever pick a UFA? You have you have every chance to talk to them. Why not have a side deal? Like, there's nothing saying, oh yeah, I'm gonna sign with you on July 28th at 12:01. Right. But imagine imagine being Ron Francis and going to Landeskog, being like, hey, we want you. This is the offer we're gonna take. Sign sign it July 28th. Right. And they go in and pick Donskoy. Right. They go they go talk to Hamilton. They're like, oh, yeah, I do this. They pick up Nino Niederreiter. They, well, they Seattle is definitely, from what I've been told, Seattle is 100% in on Dougie Hamilton. Like, they're they're willing, they're ready well, yeah. to Francis give him. Francis is the one who brought him out. Well, that's what I'm saying. When you look at it with Ronnie Francis, there's going to be some picks that he makes that have to do with connection-wise. So, like you mentioned, Dougie Hamilton – Peter Morasic does make sense because, like you just said, he brought him in, so he knows him. But he may look at Peter Morasic and say, is this the guy that I want to be my starter? Considering that he lost his job to um, Nedlicek. No, yeah, is that? Nedelkovic. Nedelkovic. The one that um, sounds Russian and Czech, but he's actually American. Yeah, he's American, right. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's like Connor Hellebuck. Hellebuck doesn't sound... American, that sounds more, but, that sounds more American than all right, it's close, it's close, but I still, I mean, Nedeljkovic. yeah, I mean, look, I think that there's, I think there's about three different plans that Ron Francis has for this expansion draft. I think there's three different plans, and I think he's going to look at it and say, okay, look, because again, what people have to remember is this at any second of this draft, there is going to be. Possibly a trade. There is a very good chance that there are teams that are going to be asking for trades. Maybe not necessarily for players that Seattle takes, but possibly for players that other teams have. So I'll use this as an example. We just heard today that apparently the Devils are definitely shopping P.K. Subban. They're looking for a partner, which also tells me that most likely Subban will not be taken by Seattle. Because if they're looking to trade him and trying to get something for him, maybe they already spoke to Seattle. Maybe Ron Francis said, we're probably not taking Subban. So you can move forward with that. I mean, that's a possibility. The best case, I mean, look, 
if he gets taken by Seattle, that's great. That's $9 million more that we have in the bank to do whatever the hell we want with, which is not great because then you're $24, $25 million under the cap floor, and I don't know how the hell we're going to get $25 million on the cap floor, even with extensions. Could I interest you into an Evgeny Dodonov? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. We have a lot of – look, the, the Devils are one of those teams like we have a lot to offer a lot of teams, and I expect us to be pretty busy in the offseason. How the hell does Detroit have $44 million in cap space? Um, maybe what because the, the only hell? person they pay is Dylan Larkin. I don't I mean, realize how much cap space they actually have. Mind you, this is with Mark Stahl still on the team, which is pretty remarkable if you ask me. Because I'm yeah, pretty sure true. Mark Stahl's contract wasn't great either. But look, I mean. Oh, no. Yeah. Mark Stahl. No, Mark Stahl's a UFA. Oh, he's a UFA. All right. Well, his con- well that might be part of the reason. that His contract went off the boards and all of a sudden they jacked up. The- they jacked it up. But, I mean, honestly, y- you mentioned Carey Price. Carey Price by far is the most interesting storyline of anything that we have. Because it's really about, okay, does Seattle want to go down the route of, Let's take him. We can use him to market ourselves and go from there, and maybe we can compete right away. It's possible. Do we draft? Do we take him and force Montreal to trade us something for him, trading assets, draft picks maybe? Or do we trade him or do we draft him and then do this, sell him to the highest bidder? So if somebody else – Only if he waves his no-move clause. Well, he asked – well, that's true. He he has to move his his no-movement clause, but – Another goalie that I feel like nobody's talking about, and I get it because he's kind of injury prone, but I, I want to give him credit, is Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop didn't have to waive his no movement clause. He didn't. Ha- he could have just said no, but he actually was incredibly selfless of himself to be like. But I heard right. I saw reports that he might not even play next year. Like his career could be over. Well, that's the that's another that's another point. He might be looking at. He, for all we know, he might be just looking like, "Look, Seattle, if you take me, it's not that I don't want to play for you guys. It's just that I may not physically be able to play." You know, who and that's you, you know, who I'm not surprised. Like, I'm surprised this isn't being talked about. Holpe. Mm. One year. I mean, left he, was it that long ago that he won the Stanley Cup? So yeah, and he has like one year left. Uh, I think he's making like six or six and a half. It's not too bad. For he's, a goal making, he's making four. No, not even. He's making four point three mil this year in his cap hit. He has one year left. Like, why? If I'm looking at, if I'm Seattle, why wouldn't I take a cup winner? And like, also, first, this I think it's something else to mention as well. There's a report out there that apparently Seattle is pretty much certain that they're going to take about five goaltenders in this draft and then trade two of them that's for assets, which. My question is, who would be the two goal? Like, I feel like, like I like I look at it like I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted if they drafted like Holpe and then tried to move him, even though I think Holpe could still be a very solid goaltender, um, and that could be something. But it's it's kind of a funny thing. It's a really funny thing to see how it is. The the one thing that obviously is really annoying for me personally is just the fact that Vegas doesn't have to worry about this at all. That they just get to sit there and watch us all get upset. Yeah, I mean, in terms of goaltenders, here, my if I had to pick five goaltenders, who are, if I was Seattle, if I had to pick five goaltenders, Price, Holpe, Drieger, Vanek, and Decord. What about what about this? Is just me spitballing here. I know he's I know he's past his prime, but what about Jonathan Quick? No, 
And and I'm and saying we're quick tenders to move assets for. I don't see quick having much value anymore. Well, know? he might be. I mean, there's always possibility that they could draft him, and then LA wants him back, and then they just get assets. You can't trade him back. No, if you pick someone, you're not allowed to trade him back. It's cap circumvention. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember, uh, I think it was David Schlemko got drafted by Vegas, and I believe he was in. I forgot where he was at the time, but he got tr- he got drafted by Vegas and immediately was moved to Montreal. Yeah, and then Auto- Ottawa wanted to do that with uh, with Masai, but they moved him to Dallas, and then apparently Dallas' asking price was like a first, a second, and a prospect. And I'm like, and that's and that's the thing also with Seattle. Seattle apparently some of these asking prices that I've been hearing are minimum, are like a first and a third. Are, are unrealistic to me. I'm like, here's the and I'm like, here's the thing. If you draft like let's say, let, let's say Chris Drieger, right? Let's say you draft him and then uh, somebody wants him and then you go, okay, we want a first, a second, and a prospect. It's like, are you smoking or something? Like, do you not know how this hey. works? Hey, look at forget. Hey, Vegas fleece Florida out of Riley and Marcia. So, oh yeah, don't even get me, don't even get me started with how much how much Vegas fleeced the crap out of the Florida Panthers. I mean, that is, that's the thing. I'm, is surprised, that- I'm surprised. By the way, Bobrovsky wasn't um, wasn't uh, was left. What, really he should have been the move. one left unprotected. He has a no move clause. He had to wave it. He's not going to wave it. Why would he move it? Do you think there's a possibility that they asked? I bet they asked him. I don't think they did. I feel like they assumed that they would lose. They were going to lose Drieger no matter what. Well, they're they do have – obviously, gonna, they have Spencer Knight. So, I mean – Well, it, I think it, that's the thing is that they're going to win with a Bobrovsky-Knight pairing next year anyway. So, it doesn't really matter. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. And then you mentioned – obviously, you also mentioned the situation with David Krejci and Taylor Hall out of Boston. It's a really – I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure it's tempting. I'm pretty sure – with Taylor Hall there – look, Taylor Hall is not – the main guy on a team. He, he said it himself publicly. He said, oh, when I was in New Jersey and Edmonton and even Buffalo, I had to be the guy. And it's like, well, you want to get paid like you want to be the guy, but you don't want to be the guy. Like, do you fair. understand? To be fair, it's kind of hard to be the guy as a winger when your centers are garbage. I mean, was Nico Hishier garbage? Yes, Technically. I mean, Wait, Taylor I mean, Hall publicly fair. stated that he was he wouldn't have won the Hart Trophy if it wasn't for Nico. No, so but like, I, and, and, no, but I'm just saying that like, if you look at Nico Heischer's like first three years, his his ELC years, people were were considering him a bust, and that's with Taylor Hall. I feel like some are still are for not legitimate reasons, but probably, I mean, probably people. He was hurt Hedman, most of this year. People thought Hedman was a bust up until he was like 25. People were saying Hedman was a bust. Right. People thought Ekblad was a bust. So people are stupid. They throw this stuff around all the time. But if you actually look at it, he barely played this season with, uh, like Kruger barely played Hall and, and Eichel together. Yeah. Uh, the coach. Well, I mean, also to be fair, Eichel Eichel got hurt very early in the year. So yeah, he played like 20 games max. But you I, think played the, the I think he only played like 10. Maybe I. It was. I could have sworn it was like 10 or something. Like it was. It wasn't a lot. I'll tell you that. But like you also look at you know in Edmonton. He had, like, what, a handful of games a season with McDavid, and McDavid got hurt his rookie year? It's the same thing with Yakupov. Yakupov had, like, a handful of games, and they were like, Saranara, even though he was playing well with McDavid. Yeah, but the, the – and you and you brought this up. You, you talk about, you know, Taylor Hall's played with a lot of garbage centers. Let's be honest. Who – like, what center could Seattle get 
that could actually be beneficial to someone like Taylor Hall. I mean, you can't. I mean, you you can't pick both Hall and Krejci. You can't pick them both. But you could always sign one of them. That's true. That's. I mean, that's a good point. I wonder if Cat Friendly has the exposure. Because, like, I'm trying to think of who's actually exposed center-wise. That's a good point. Um, but it's, I don't know. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. Tomorrow night is going to be fantastic. We're going to have fun. I'm, I'm not worried. I have I'm like nobody. Tierney, Brent, Josh Brown. Shane and I are fans of teams that honestly don't have a whole lot to offer anybody. No, we're good. It's like you just though, we got a little bit of a problem, right? But uh, fortunately, we don't have an expansion draft after this one coming up anytime soon. True. So, True. Uh, so we're good. Who knows? Maybe, maybe in like three years, Quebec City finally gets a team. Oh, that would be. Oh, don't even. Don't even get me started if Quebec comes back, man. It's just not – they come back. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, but we've hit the hour mark. Guys, uh, everyone who's joined in, it's been a pleasure. Uh, obviously, you know, Neil, thank you for coming on. It was great no having you. Uh, you can check him out at the uh, the NVP show. Is his Twitter handle? Double State for his Double State of Mind podcast uh, covering the New Jersey Devils. Frankie should be back here next week. Uh, we're going to be actually moving our episodes from Tuesday to Monday. So we'll have a, a, our Monday episode. It's just easier for everyone. So that, that's new. Um, but if you are an expansion draft fan, come out, check us out on the hockey podcast network tomorrow, because we are doing a little bit of a live reaction that I totally forgot about up until this morning. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it it's, for- you thought it was for the NHL draft, right? Which is I also, which, which by the way, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the NHL draft is on Friday. Friday. Round one is Friday. Right. The fr- Friday is the NHL draft. Tomorrow, Wednesday, is the expansion draft. So, because, and then next week, and remember, next week, tomorrow, is free agency. And also, for any American fans, this is the first uh, hockey-based thing that ESPN is involved in. ESPN, baby. Fly so... We get to see we get to see some buttes on ESPN tomorrow. That'll be fun. Anyways, guys, thank you all for joining us. I will catch we will catch you back here next week with a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. Stay safe, enjoy the weekend, and enjoy the sports. We'll catch you later. Mm-hmm.